This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. I've gotten to work with a bunch of telecommunication providers over the years, and I've kind of always found them to be pretty data literate. After all, a big part of their business is how they bill their customers. All of that's based on usage and consumption data, right? So given that, I thought it'd be fun to get into more detail on the telco sector to see how all of that happens. My name is Ram. I am the data officer at Cold. I've been here at Cold for just over five years, but trying to kind of set up our entire data organization over the last three years or so. And I think we're just getting to a point where we are starting to see the benefits of what all we've been doing for the last couple of years. Challenges are ahead, but I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel right now. This is Rohan Pawar. I am part of Data Office, uh, work with Ram, and I lead the data governance and data architecture practice for Colt. Been in the industry for more than 18 years in IT services, consulting, telecom, and predominantly in the data space in last seven to eight years. So uh, as part of the data governance and data architecture work, I've been with uh, working with Ram to set up the data office and uh, imbibing that data culture for the organization. So you lead the data uh and governance program, right? Yes, as, as part of the data governance program has many facets, but fundamentally the data governance initiatives and the various use cases are driven through the leadership of RAM and, and the data office support. Yeah. If either of you can describe your program and maybe we can get into what data intelligence and data governance means uh, within that program. So Ram, why don't you tell us about that program that you've begun at Cold Telecom? It's a sort of a, a radical new approach at Cold. So when our current CEO took over about three years back, one of our aims was to transform Cold into a data-driven organization. Of course, we were doing a lot of reporting, we we're doing a lot of business intelligence and, and quite a bit of operational reporting per se. But we were not truly sort of leveraging the data we have in the time we have had. Uh -huh. So we took this program with about five uh, major aims, right? To sort of make sure that everybody in cold can get data on demand. They can trust the data we sort of provide. And the data is sort of connected end to end, right? From uh -huh. one end of the business to the other end of the business. We essentially drive the entire culture of ownership of data across cold and not just IT owning data. And also tap into the kind of innovation and trends which is happening in the data practice at, at the same time. So we essentially took these five pillars as parts of our vision to sort of transform Colt into a data-driven organization. Oh, that's great. All right. I was, I was busily trying to take notes. I got two of them, I think. So one of, one of your five principles was uh, everyone gets access to data in some fashion, right? And I think another one was creating a culture of ownership of data throughout the business and, you know, morphing from a, you know, an IT ownership centric sort of thing, right? So it's really business ownership of, of data and the use of data. Did I get those two right? Absolutely. You hit it on the head. Oh, awesome. Cool. <laughs> so, so help, help me with the other three. What did I, what did I miss while I was taking those notes? We also, also develop trust in data. So when trust. you see a piece of data, yeah. you know, it's right and you don't have to second guess it. And then okay. data which is connected, right? So, which means that the data flows across the entire process of business, right? For example, if you're taking the entire ordering process, right from the nice. time the customer yeah. contacts us to the time we get the money from the customer, so the data flows seamlessly. 
in there instead of doing it piecemeal or or, or department by department can I essentially present a completely connected view of data connected view of data flowing seamlessly I, I really like how you phrase that that's great and the, the last part is i mean you underpin everything with the latest trends in in, in technology make sure that you have scalable technology underneath it bring in the latest innovations in in data and in ai and in what kind of tech, i would say are the practices we have in place and make sure that there's very few people actually touching the data to give the business what they want make bring in a lot more automation in the entire thing oh that's really interesting so making sure there's few touch points as possible because you've been successful with automating some of these processes is that do i understand that right that's right i mean if you essentially have your technology and and the underlying foundation set up the right way Nobody needs to touch data to go change it. It should just flow through to the right. entire process. Well, that's really cool. So Rohan, principle number three was is is your gig, right? Trust in data. Am I guessing yeah, right? Absolutely. So if we're talking about data intelligence and data governance, and your your aim in the program is to drive trust and understanding, sounds like that's your job. You want to tell us about the program? Absolutely. And trust in data is foundational uh, aspect because uh, while data is out there. deriving value out of data is only possible when people trust it handle it in the way it should be handled we have a lot of data in the organization but the data its form and then the way it is it is transformed as an outcome as part of the processes which are an end to end within the organization and the processes are nothing but the activities the departments undertake as part of their day to day operations and as part of doing those activities the data gets transformed mm-hmm. so data in context is information ultimately so getting the right context and the right data at the right time gives the right information to the stakeholders so this is achieved by variety of activities now we didn't want to bring in that imbibe the trust across all the data sets to start with we started with critical data entities across the key domains and the key domains we started our journey was sales and marketing finance some of the service delivery and assurance areas in procurement also some of the use cases we undertook so for sales and marketing in particular we understood what are the critical sub entities data domains what are the key processes they undertake uh-huh. so as to make sure that data or that critical data is is in good shape it is trusted and what are the data quality challenges they face what is the data anomalies which are prevalent and how to correct that and some of the key use cases which work is one of the contract renewal processes so we are in the b2b business and our contracts span for 5 10 years and the contract renewals take longer time and if the data is incorrect in in some of the contracts then it was taking a longer time sometimes we had to give some credit notes back to the customers so we wanted to get the data in right good format shape and form and we we did address that and it ended up resulting into saving a lot of credit notes and faster contract renewals so some of these activities we could achieve because we looked at the data from the context perspective processes perspective the data quality issues and and then started correcting it and making sure we govern it once it is corrected so that it doesn't go bad again so that was one of the initiative which we undertook that's an amazing example all right so call telecom a telecom company in the business to business sort of model uh you're contract driven with your customers and clients and you were finding you were recognizing a business problem which was contract renewal times take a long time. Yes. And it sounds like you you identified one of the reasons why that happens is you've got let's say data you can't trust that revolves around or is incorporated into these contracts that resulted in maybe contract violations, uh, credits had to be issued, things like that. 
So in order to address that, you actually went all the way back to some sources, it sounds like, understood your business processes that generate data, made sure that that data that was generated, right, is high quality data. Is high quality the people, the teams who work with the data, who transform the data, who day-to-day to work on the data, what activities they undertook in order, in order to transform the data, and then are they doing the right thing? So, and then we, we address that, we look at the data, we got it corrected for the contract renewal process, and also give feedbacks to the business team, the various stakeholders to change their processes, own the data, so that it doesn't get bad, you know? Right, so, so the business teams that are generating data that then is used in these contracts, there's some responsibility within the business, right, as they follow those processes to create good data, right, high-quality data, and, or at least correct it after the fact if something did go wrong. It sounds like you've repaired or, let's say, improved your contract renewal process, right? Have you measured you know, what, what was the before and after picture story there from, from a renewal time? So we got it validated with, for, with our sales executives and for a large contract of ours, and which is a huge customer, and, they have, and across the globe we have so many contracts. For that particular contract, in particular, we pegged the value of credit note avoidance, and that was in the region of around 300k euros. Yeah, So that was for one contract. That's a big deal. Just one contract, yeah, it's and a big the, deal. the work we did as part of that saving is is applicable to many other customers also. So that value uh, apparently we could not measure because that was all corrected in that point in time. But for a particular contract, we did measure it, and it's in the region of around three hundred k euros. I don't know if you want to answer this question, but have you seen credits being issued? Is there is that decreasing as a result of this uh, improved contract process and, and data management process? Are you seeing those business impacts result too? At least for this, this particular problem, we could uh, see that there's a declining trend of reduced credit notes issuance. Oh, yes, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. I love stories like that. That's great. So it just popped into my head. Telecommunication companies are in the business of data in many ways, right? You're laying cables, you're connecting endpoints, right? You're you're giving people access to internet or, or different types of connection methods, point to point and otherwise. But your whole billing model is all based on data. You're, you're counting packets, right? <laughs> and, and you're billing based on that or some other factors, right? So now this five-year program, ROM, that you've really begun here to drive a data-driven culture what was natural, I would imagine a lot of what you're trying to do should come naturally at a, at a company like Colt being in the business that you're in. How has this evolved as in these past five years with that in mind? So telecom companies deal with a lot of data, absolutely, right? But telecom companies are also challenged with data in, in multiple different forms. Okay. We handle probably billions and billions of bytes a day, literally in terms of data. Net, you can't talk about network monitoring, you talk about billing, you talk about even a single cent of billing is data for us, right? Uh, the challenge is that telecom technology has evolved over the last so many years. And if you look at some countries and some places, you still are using technology which is 20, 20, 30 years old. And they don't give you the same sort of data like the modern ones right now. So the biggest challenge for, for telecom companies is also data. Because data exists in so many different, different forms in there. And that is one of the things which I think hamper a lot of companies from being able to uh, monetize the data they have and drive value out of data. And that's why this program becomes more important. Let's at least take the low hanging fruit and then try to sort of drive value out of it before we go off into the say, networking areas where the data is much more difficult to sort of retrieve. It's full of legacy technology challenges, right? And in a lot of cases, you will find technology of multiple generations trying to work together. And that creates its own challenges in data flowing between them. 
Once you began to develop this program to fix contract renewal times, right, and improve, well, you know, your entire contract management process, your credit management process, and things like that, that's a big success. And you started with data. I think you said you wanted to start in key business areas. You called them domains or data domains, finance and sales, right? Show me the money, right? So it's when you start with the money, you know, you're going to get some traction, uh, right? So was the, the money aspect intentional, fixing those problems that were really visible? And how does that help with some, let's say, some of your next projects that you began after that? So I'll sort of turn this question on the head a little bit more, right? So for us, sales was always a higher priority. And customer experience was a much more higher priority than actually going down into finance. Finance is one case we started off with. But that was also had a sales and a customer experience impact on it, literally, right? Because, see, uh, usually for, for that particular customer, we, we handle thousands of contracts in a, in a year. And the sooner we can sort of remove that pain from the customer, we go to close out contracting process faster. Of course, finance benefits out of it because we don't issue credit notes out of it, right? So sales is always going to be a first priority. How can I increase my customer experience? How can I increase my revenues or my bookings? How can I make sure that I can predict, for example, if I'm going to win the next opportunity or a lead or not, right? So a lot of focus has been on sales to try to sort of make sure that we enable them to go and sell better, to convert leads better. Because then that automatically will lead to the money at some point of time. Right? Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's another way right. of looking at it to an extent. And this is much more easier uh, uh, thing because, I mean, uh, if you please the customer, you get more revenue. Sort of it. So I'm hearing you say your first focus was keeping the money you already made. Yeah. And your second focus is making more money. Absolutely. <laughs> Always, right? <laughs> Got it. Well done. I love it. So um, you described some some technical challenges that you, you've had to navigate. I think a driving North Star has been quality of data so that people can trust it, right? And that was one of the technical challenges. Let's get into the org itself. Were people on board with this from the beginning? Did you have to convince people? people to do anything differently? You, you know, one of your pillars was driving, let's say, ownership of data throughout the business. So what kinds of, let's say, enthusiasm was there? Maybe were there pockets of resistance? How did you navigate that aspect of beginning this program? We have mixed results in that case, right? There are some business functions which are more than eager to sort of work with us, right? Uh, like the example Rohan mentioned, right? Uh, sales is always more than happy to sort of work with us to, to an extent per se, right? But there are places where, I mean, it is a little more harder set, right? And the whole thing comes to, to sort of changing the culture of how people think they interact with data and their own data, right? Getting the people to, to think that they own the data is, is the biggest challenge we face. The moment that conversation happens and that buy-in is there, then governance becomes easy. So that is where I think the, the biggest challenge for us lies, literally to, to have people sort of appreciate that they own the data in place and we are here to help them own the data. But uh, once they realize that they own the data, then the conversations become much more easier. So changing the culture becomes the biggest challenge. And see, we are a global company. You have people from multiple countries sitting in there. Right? So you're going to always have different nuances in, in trying to deal with it. So teach us all, how did you get folks across that threshold to want to take on that, that real responsibility and accountability for owning their business data. We're all eager to, to learn this one. Basically, what we wanted to do, we started, uh, you know, uh, one is data understanding. And we very well acknowledged that each of our departments within code, the domains, what we call them, 
there were people uh, who understand that data more than data office themselves, right? So somebody in the marketing department understand marketing data better than us. Somebody in, in finance understand finance data better than us. So we started with this construct of data champions. And ultimately, what these people are, fundamentally, they perform the data stewardship job. We spoke to the respective department VPs, the senior management, and we got the nominations for these data champions who could work with data office and help understand the critical data from each of the domains. What is the data we should be focusing on? What are the key data challenges? And they would help us articulate or help us peg the data ownerships within the department. So finance, sales, sales marketing has a lot of data. Now, such a huge department spread across various geographies. We wanted representation from that department, one person or a couple of people who act as data champions. They make sense of that data better than, you know, of, of within the department and they help us pick the data ownerships. So that articulation was the first step with the help of their senior management. And then we got them on board as part of the data governance council. We created a council and then they help us to understand the data better in their department. So that was the first step. Uh, and then we created various other roles. Business owner will be the senior management who give the strategic direction and help mitigate, uh, give the financial backing in some various programs. And then the data champions who will work with data office and their respective departments. Then comes the data custodians. So this data resides in IT applications. And IT applications are the custodians where the data resides. They are not necessarily the data owners, but they make sure the data is available, accessible, secure and available to the respective stakeholders who are authorized to use the data. So the IT custodians and then obviously the data officers, data architects, we are the enablers and we work with the data security and the data protection team. So we created a council of people who know their responsibilities. That was the first rollout we did. And then data design was introduced in every program, any, any larger program or smaller program we undertake. We imbibe or we enforce the data design and data governance constructs right from the onset of the program. Earlier, before data office was formed, data design was afterthought, you know. Only when the data is to go bad, then they should think about data design. But right from the onset, we started creating data models. And then we created a lot of data models, logical models, conceptual models to make sense out of the data and with taking the help of the data champions. And for every program, we end up creating the, the as-is models, the to-be models, the data ownerships agreements with the help of data champions. And then to go about doing the design, be it the IT design, technology design, or whatever, you know, as part of the SDLC life cycle, software development life cycle, be it agile or waterfall methodology. So that makes sure that we have the governance, protection, all of the data ownership considerations agreed, or at least the decisions are open, we, we bring it to the table. So that when the program goes live, there are very clear-cut agreements, races defined as who's going to own it when the design, the solution goes live. So data is not an aftermath. Wow, that, there's a lot there. So I want to clarify one thing so I understand. Are you coming from a place where the actual technical management of data, the hands-on management of data, is that a central sort of function within your team or some central IT team? Or We have a data platform which helps us envisage the data process, uh -huh. structured, unstructured, semi-structured data. And we have a warehouse, data warehouse platform. Uh, HANA platform and now we're a cloud-based GCP platform. So that helps us to visualize and, and process a variety of data. Having said that, we also work with the various operational systems IT team, you know, where the data is going to re uh, reside as well. So it's, it's a combination. And then, then we have Colibra as well for the data governance as a central data governance platform. So we have now harvested more than 1800 
operational systems metadata into Colibra application. So that gives us the starting point to pick the ownership. So we present the metadata to the stakeholders and then pick the ownerships there. That happens to be our starting point. I, I think we sort of look at Colibra as, as the interface, right, between the business data owners and, and the technology owners to an extent, right? Otherwise, I mean, the technology platform is, is typically very, very technological. I don't understand a lot of it myself, right? To be very, very honest. But Colibra makes it easier for us to sort of relate what data we have since it's sitting inside the, for example, our data lake. Yeah. So that we think will drive a lot more ownership and people will not be as afraid of data as they were previously. So as you described this transformation for ownership and accountability and, and all of that, I think you said you started with sort of a low barrier of entry for folks in the business to take that ownership. You didn't even call it ownership, right? You called the champions to really just explain their data, right? And by starting that process of getting folks used to explaining their data, I, mean, I imagine you're uncovering problems and challenges with quality issues and things like that. As you go, you're able to make lots of improvements. And I think it sounds like as you establish that championship, right, across these different business areas, it probably felt natural that they owned those data sets. And, you know, why, why should that be? Why should that be owned by some central team when they can actually take ownership? So they almost, I'm, I'm imagining they kind of wanted to take that ownership once this was all rolling along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And because they, they wanted an interface, they wanted somebody to hear to it. In lot, lot many cases, the data champions were so excited to work with us to explain what the real challenges are. And then when we try to resolve those challenges, we also, the idea of data ownership was very important because so many data quality issues were identified. The needle was not moving because uh, of the data ownership issues. Very few people in the support team, the IT team or the data quality team we were really struggling to know whom to reach out to, to get the resolution. And then that's where the, the construct of ownership really helped, wherein the data champion said, okay, we think for this particular issue or this kind of issues, this is the right people or this is the right team to reach out to. And that helped move forward to get the issues right, resolved. Right, and I think you were yeah. saying that by incorporating those uh, operational IT teams for those systems, they would then take their own level of ownership on improving the quality, right? Uh, fixing quality issues that were identified. So you're in a much more proactive mode now. This is just a great story. It sounds also scalable, sustainable, et cetera, because it isn't just one central team doing all things. You've really uh, mapped out who's, who's going to take the ball and move with it along the way, yeah? So Ram, I want to get into some more of the, let's say, the value proposition of doing all of this. This is, the, this is a great story. You talked about already improving let's say, retention of money, right, uh, by improving your contract process and credit management and all of that. Certainly, this is a long part of the journey. Where do you think it's going to drive more value and, and also in a measurable sense? What's your thinking on that? I, I imagine that there's a, there's a long cycle ahead of uh, driving that value that way. Going back to how we drive value propositions as a whole, a lot of what Rohan talked about is to build the foundations to drive value out of it, right? See, for example, if you are able to make a positive change in culture, right, it will drive better data governance, which means that they will start using uh, uh, data the right way, putting data in the right way, which sort of automatically improves your quality on an ongoing basis. The moment it starts improving quality on an ongoing basis, right, the trust in data automatically will improve. Mm -hmm. Then you can start putting insights together using any of the latest generative AI models, for example, ChatGPT or Google or, or whatever comes in, right? And people will start believing the data they see. And that's where the value proposition comes. I mean, 
what we are doing on a lot of the foundation sometimes may look very tedious because nobody really knows where it's going and how it's linked to it but everything goes back to the point of saying if i can provide data on demand which means that if my ceo wants a piece of data and she can query a google cat type search bar and get an answer and believe the data that's where my value proposition lies let's talk about use cases that's a let's say a business process and a, that you know your ceo wants to understand something so that they can make a decision uh, in a reasonable amount of time are there other use cases that maybe come to mind again being kind of a data company already do you see creating commercial data products that your customers or partners could get value out of do you see an ai project on the forefront where that can become a product itself for you what types of use cases come to mind to make use of data now that you're data driven trustworthy high quality efficient business process and all of that with a platform sky's the limit right what 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 types of use cases can we think of from colt these use cases are are varied all right and in telecom company there's a lot of places for these use cases so we are working with a, with a couple of customers to provide them anomaly detection so we sell a lot of voice numbers uh, all right and customers use them and like any phone or any data there'll be glitches there'll be drops call drops voice drops everything in there right uh-huh. so we essentially are able to provide customers a list of all the anomalies and why we think it happened through ai models specifically right and that's a place where we are essentially trying to do churn data at scale and be able to sort of give them a, a set of anomaly uh, why, why the anomalies happened what numbers it happened at why did it happen at a particular point of time this is something we essentially can monetize see for example for premium customers it can be a selling point for other customers or resellers for example who sell those numbers to somebody else it can be something we can monetize with them so that they can go on and have a better customer experience with those folks i say right cuz you're b2b so what you're saying is you're thinking about data products that could be commercialized for those customers uh, you called it anomaly detection around their operations for their clients, their customers, right? So they can use this data that you provide them as a value add for their own operations with their own with their own clients, yeah? That's what that's one, yeah. And we also provide a lot of APIs for customers to buy off us, right? Uh APIs regarding uh, their usage of code, their billing, their online stuff. They can also query and uh, our prices, for example, right? So that's a bunch of APIs we provide, and, and all of this is possible because we have a much more automated data platform sitting underneath the, uh, a lot of our applications, specifically, right? So these are areas where which we can, by selling or, or uh, having uh, customers or other vendors subscribing to APIs, another data monetization uh, area for us to sort of look at. Yeah, and just just to add to give an example, what just Ram articulated. So we we work with a lot of partnerships in our business. uh and the entire value chain uh you can see uh, n- uh, like any other telco we have do have lot of partners and for the success of our success is also dependent on our vendor's success so we have this on demand services right where we give lot of telco services which is going towards um, one touch provisioning one touch ordering and 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 instead of larger lead time cycle time so so 30 90 day cycle time of of delivering the services we are trying to reduce that cycle so that we deliver the services improve customer experience and be able to generate revenue faster now on demand services has these apis where one of these on demand apis is where we we not only uh, share our uh, service availability locations on on demand to the customer and then 
also in some of the the mature vendors and suppliers if they wish to raise tickets and from the assurance side of things earlier instead of giving raising tickets and then we taking time to raise the tickets we have exposed apis where they click of a button where they they request us and the api and and the uh, tickets are generated and the ticket is logged at our end you know so instead of no 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 telecalling no email business and all that so that way our engineers can directly work on it and and go about resolving the services so just to improve customer experience end to end so those are some of the on demand apis and then sustainability side of things also is there so we're digitizing lot of our carbon data credits how much energy we spent we are doing we have lot of equipments spread across the regions we operate and lot of uh, infrastructure is there so reducing the carbon footprint first of all capturing it so digitizing that entire thing was also part of the data collection and and, and as part of our uh, data driven initiatives we are, we were undertaken so you blasted a whole lot out there right so you're you're mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, if you start talking about use cases we we can keep on listing there's a lot of things we work with hr we work with people we can do customer uh, voice analysis supply chain procurement uh, churn analysis like marketing segmentation so look with a great foundation built on trust built on you know uh, let's say distributed ownership of data and responsibilities around your business that gives you scale trust sustainability etc it really does open up the floodgates for use case opportunities to get value from data I think you think you listed a good 10 10 opportunities that you're that you're exploring or or succeeding at already and I I just want to say congrats. I think this is a tremendous success story. I'm so excited to hear it and learn from you along the way. You said you've been there 5 years. This is a, a you know, past 3 years you've really been building this up. So none of what you just described is free or easy or fast, right? Right? So tell us a little bit more about the some of the journey like how do you select the investments to make in people process and technology to make this 3 year journey successful uh, as you as you're describing it what what goes into budgeting and then executing on those things like give, give us some insight into that one of the first things with rohan and i did and rohan incidentally was one of our first people on board into this new plan right so mohan rohan sat and, and and worked out a roadmap literally saying what are the building blocks to to get to where we want and the first thing we always started with was the data foundations because without foundations We, we really will not get there so our data strategy started with foundations per se and the first two years focus was only putting the foundations together and then sort of fix some of the uh, critical areas as and when it goes highlighted back from the business right it wasn't always an easy journey because you are investing about a million or two every year on the entire data platform everybody wants to see results right so keeping uh, everybody warm making sure that we essentially are able to communicate the value we're going to get at, at the end of 3 to 5 years was it's still the biggest challenge for us in a lot of areas because the amount of work it goes to build the foundation is key it needs patience to an extent so so that is where i think our biggest uh, i think time went in is more like not only building foundations but making sure people understand why we are doing this. were you able to drive any like small wins quick wins kind of incrementally along the way no we did a lot of these this small ones like the contract ones this credit notes ones rohan said was one of the first thing we did right we are essentially doing a lot of regulatory reporting kind of requirements which is much more faster right we are doing some finance visibility reporting for example a view of an entire capital expenditure right we are doing a lot of these small 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 things which people can see uh, and then they become our ambassadors to an extent we are not doing for example a, a mammoth two year transformation to to drive value we are doing a lot of point solutions and we'll always be doing point solutions because 
that's where I think the beauty of, of data lies is, is you can start driving insights even with, with a small amount of data in there. It doesn't need to take six months to, to drive a, a project. You can you can get results in two to three weeks. The moment you are uh, you know what you're doing. Yeah, and just to add, a lot of foundational activities are now being used to derive more value. To to uh, sound some you know give some examples, uh, voice area. So we had a lot of voice data quality issues, and and uh, we are in the voice business. Uh, we sell wholesale voice, SIP trunking, and voice line V, uh, various voice products to various uh, for resellers and wholesalers who use who further sell it there. So. We were facing issues of, of voice and number allocation and, and a lot of data issues were there. So we addressed that and, and not only we addressed it, we devised a process, we devised an operating model for making it right all the time. So that kind of value add, we did it. Uh, the other example is the data models we churned out. So in last two years, we've churned out more than 30, 40 data models of how data is articulated, how data is built across domains. And that is, is helping in some of our RFPs when we bid to our customers. The customers are becoming data-centric as well. So they, they sometimes ask us, how my data will be organized? How are you handling our data, my data? And that, that's where we are sharing some of these models to win contracts. GDPR and, and some of the data protection initiatives as well. So we have, as a company, we we make every effort to, to comply, not only comply, but be compliant all the time. And, and to all the regulations, uh, the, the, the authorities uh, put it, uh, and because being a telco, we have to do that. We use, uh, we've started one use case and one of the initiative with the data protection team. So the, the personal data, sensitive personal data, what, is the, what are the definitions, which personal data, how do we manage, handle, and that, that information is all uh, uh, being, being very well uh, formulated and, 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 and we're ready for the audit purposes all the time. So that is another use case which we are working. So there's incremental value over the foundational work which is already happening. It's not that, uh, so we're waiting for a big bang, something to happen. As point solutions are also yielding the efforts, uh, yielding the value. Right. Yeah. And each, each incremental win, it sounds like you're able, to, because you're, you've approached this foundation first, you're able to reuse and reuse and reuse and reuse each success in a more amplified way, which exponentially uh, drives more value. This is just, uh, again, I'll just repeat, what a great success story. It can take a lot to build trust. <laughs> that goes for relationships, right? And throughout business and here too, trust in data. It takes discipline and keen focus on your data practices and processes to ingrain quality. And what's the reward of that? It's value. The value from trust in your data returns faster business processes, right? In Colt's case, that's faster contract renewal timeframes. Actually, it's even directly benefiting contracts themselves by reducing the amount of credits that they had to issue to their clients. For them, it's literally money in the bank. That is the value of trust in your data. So what goes into that discipline and focus that instills trust? I'm hearing two key things, data ownership and technology modernization, right? And the enablement that comes along with that. As businesses evolve over time, lots of systems get put in place, right? We all know that. All sorts of different business processes with data all over the place. Modernizing your tech stack and even operational systems, leveraging APIs to connect the dots, it all points to being deliberate and intentional and collaborative across the many teams that manage these technologies, ultimately to create a robust and connected infrastructure, 
All of this is foundational to providing trustworthy data and ownership. Those teams that manage the tech and the business processes too, all of those things generate our organization's data. It's really important to establish who is responsible for which parts, right? So that they can participate in all of that connectedness. We all rely on each other across our businesses, right? And Colt showed us a great example of how to cultivate those champions of collaboration uh, within different business areas, leveraging and promoting their data literacy and establishing data ownership and responsibilities clearly. That's the key to driving trust then, right? Central data teams are becoming enablers, providing a kind of connective tissue. Those central teams, we, we wanna foster collaboration around data and we can break down silos and really unlock the value of data for our organizations. That's the moral of the story for me. For Calibra, this is the Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and we'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.